Fashion and beauty are serious business. On this podcast, we will hear from amazing creative entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore their unique success stories, learn from experts, and hear about their journeys. Steve Jobs famously said that, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So let's get crazy. I'm your host, Ann Zuckerman, and this is the Just Wanted to Ask podcast. Ladies, have you ever had one of those uncomfortable headlight moments? Don't you want to be heard without distraction? Bezzy broad discs are your solution. Go to justwantedtoask.com and look for Bezzy broad discs. Hello, everyone. I am thrilled today to have Barb V on our podcast. Um, Take what you'd like from this. Imagine having the skills, tools, mindset, and strategies today that would empower you and your kids to become millionaires at age 24 or sooner. Are you afraid that your kids are going to live in your basement until they inherit your house, then Barb has the answers for you. A true spirit of entrepreneurship, resilience, and continuous growth. Barb's inspiring journey serves as a beacon of hope and motivation for using entre- for rising entrepreneurs and individuals seeking to achieve their fullest potential. As an international best-selling author, speaker, world record setter in both athletics and business, Barb has taught in over 67 different countries on 517 campuses, worked with over 300,000 students in a variety of academic and business settings. With the global success of her financial education curriculums, books, coaching, and number one international podcast, The Kid Factor, Barb serves and focuses on empowering individuals of all ages and abilities with the knowledge and skills necessary for success in business, finance, entrepreneurship, athletics, and life. Welcome, Barb, to the podcast. And thank you so much for having me. And what an honor to be here with you and to be interviewed by you and to be able to share my message with your audience. That's such a treat. Thank you. Well, thank you. So let's start at the beginning. You started your first business at the age of six. Tell us how you started, what you started, and how that paved the way for today. Oh, oh being the oldest of oldest child in my family, I asked my mom and dad for some money to buy my brother and sisters, which one of them, something for a holiday gift or a birthday gift or something like that. And at the time they didn't have the extra cash and the extra money. And they said, well, you've got to figure out how to do it on your own. And so long story short, I started my business being a concession stand for the soccer, softball, and baseball um, fields for a college that was literally right across the street from my house. And I had noticed that the baseball, softball, and soccer fields did not have a concession stand. But beyond those fields were was the football stadium. And that had two concession stands, one on each team's side. 
And the gymnasium for the university was just up the hill at the top of the hill of, of my street. And that had four concession stands. So realizing that and seeing all these people buying and boom, 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 spending money on cold drinks, popcorn, hot dogs, and all things like that, I decided to start my own concession stand for the soccer, softball, and baseball fans. But instead of them coming to me across the street, I went to them. I had one of those old wooden pop bottle crates, wooden crates. I put a strap around that, put it around my neck. It had 24 spaces in it. So the first time I would go over and I would sell 24 bags of popcorn, I'd come back with 24 um, cups of lemonade, homemade fresh lemonade. And then the third time I would go back, I would take half and half. And that's, that's how I what, That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Um, and so, so you moved on from that to more business. Um, and I know that you moved and you had to start all over again. I so did. Tell us, tell us the story about that as well. So in the fourth grade, I start. So I started at age six, and and the fourth grade, our family built a house on the other side of town, and on the other side of town, I realized I'm going to lose my business because it literally was a location business right across the street from the college, and I didn't have just the concession stand. I had lilac trees, um, about twenty five lilac trees in my backyard and um, violets covered the whole grass underneath them. So if I was going to move, I was going to lose all my business. And back then I was making, just a real quick aside, I would make bouquets of flowers in the springtime from our lilac trees and our violets. And I would take them to the boys' dorm and sell them to the boys. Now here's my marketing. This is where my marketing um, excellence started because back in that day, boys were not allowed to go in the girls' dorms. Girls were not allowed to go into the boys' dorms, but little kids like us, as long as we didn't cause trouble, we could go anywhere on campus, in the boys' dorm, the girls' dorms, in the classrooms, anywhere. So I would go to the boys' dorm, which was closest to my house, and I would go and sell the bouquets of flowers to the boys. And then I would say, hold my hand out and with a big old smile for an extra quarter, I'd be happy to deliver it anywhere on campus for you. Oh. So they would pay me, they would pay the extra quarter, but here's even more business skills. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would make the bouquets. I would go and sell them, but I wasn't the person who was delivering them. I had actually hired my little brother and sister. And I actually hired two of the neighbor kids that lived on the same street as we did. And so I would hire them and I would pay them, catch this, I'd pay them 20 cents to make the delivery for me. But from the college students, I got 25 cents. So every time they did a delivery, I made a nickel and they were happy to do about five deliveries a day. So they made a dollar. They quickly took that dollar, ran to the little convenience store on the other side of campus, spent it on candy and gum and whatever. And I made money doing that when they did that. So that was one of the things that I did. But when I when we moved to the other side of town, I literally lost my business. But instead of losing the business 
I had kept meticulous notes. I knew what baseball games had the biggest rivalries. I knew what temperature the um, air would change. And if it got too cold, when to go from having ice cold lemonade to making hot chocolate. So I had all of that in a notebook binder and I literally sold it to the two kids that worked for me that were in the same family they were staying. So I literally sold that first business for a profit when I moved to the other side of town. Then on the other side of town, I started and we moved in the middle of December, I think like five days before Christmas. And it wasn't a part of the country that there was a lot of snow. So right after we got moved in and everything like that, I started um, going to all of the houses in the community and introducing myself. I had a um, amazing snow shovel and I told them that I would contract with them. If they agreed to give me their business, I would make sure that their driveways and their sidewalks were cleared before they went to work. So again, I'm keeping meticulous business notes and everything. And then after the snow came the um, the springtime, all the weeding, um, planting gardens, weeding the dandelions that would come up. And also in the fall, it was all the leaf raking. Well, I had my clients, this is back when I was a kid, put me on a retainer. Wow. So they guaranteed me the work. But then all the neighborhood boys were all angry, like during the snow and the, all the other stuff. They're like, they're walking around trying to shovel snow for people. And they're like, oh, no, we already have Barb. We already have Barb. We already have somebody. Thank you very much. Well, then what I did, I went and I hired those teenage boys who were older than me. But I, they would come to my house and we had a huge 200 foot long driveway. And ours was a circular driveway, but it was always done enough for our cars. And they're like. Can we shovel? I was like, nope, my kids are doing that. My dad or mom would tell them. And so I hired those boys for specific houses that I had under contract. And I would pay them a portion of what I was contracted for. As long as they guaranteed they would do the work, they would get up, they would do all the stuff. Um, but the other thing being a really good business owner, I made sure that I was doing the work as well as they were. I wasn't just hiring them to be employees and I was just collecting the money. I learned how to be a really good employer and it benefited everyone, my clients, my my workers and myself. Such amazing skills. That takes so much. I mean, I know I've started a, a businesses and there's so much thought and energy that goes into it. And you don't even realize how much there is until you actually get into it. But you learned very young and you you learned the complete skill set, which is amazing most of, to me. Most most of the complete skill set, yes. But one of the one of the things, and I think this is one of the lessons that I really learned, is I learned to keep those meticulous notes. What was good, what was bad. I always believed in and my my dad. He would never give us an answer. We were struggling with homework or something like that. He would always say, go look it up. Go find a solution. Go find the place for that answer. So when I went through struggles and difficulties, I made sure that I wrote them down. Because when I solved my own problems or I saw somebody else going through a difficulty and I saw them solving their problems, 
I would learn from them. And I was not a voracious reader like I am today. Back then, I really struggled with reading. But today, not only am I a voracious reader, but um, a lifelong learner. And I was able to watch somebody go through a problem and I learned from their mistakes. And I made sure I did that. So the skill sets that I developed were allowing me to build on my foundation. Oh, so important. So then later, um, you actually taught in classrooms and and you're now coaching. But when you were teaching, you were also teaching kids who maybe had street smarts, but didn't necessarily have the business smarts. Tell Mm -hmm. us where you started with them. And also you work with kids now. How do you start? I start with anybody back then and today, anybody that I work with, I start from where they are. There is not one size fits all because, and I was just on another Zoom earlier today and I shared, somebody was talking about their family. And one of the things we have to remember, each of us are born into a different family. I was born in my household. I was born into a family with two parents, two adults, and no children. I was the first child. My next sibling was born into a family, a different family. That family was two adults with a child. My third sibling was born into a family with two adults and two children. Totally different family. And so I know that each of us have a, are in a different place and we're headed in a different direction. We might be all headed forward, but my forward looks different than yours. My, my repertoire looks different than yours. And so when I coach and when I taught, one of the things I, I taught a lot of students and children and adults with special education, with um, multiple disabilities. But I never put them all into the same curriculum. I found out, and as a as a special educator, I would always have to teach them according to their IEP. And the IEP in the school system is an individualized education plan. So every student had their own plan. And for me as a business person and as a business coach today, every student has their own plan. Every business should have their own business plan. Because if you don't, if you don't plan, you're going to fail. And I, there's a, there's a saying that when you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And that is so true because you're, you end up, instead of knowing where you're starting and where you want to finish, you're going to be like a cork in the middle of the ocean, just bobbing around and letting the waves and the tide and everything take you where it's going to take you. Versus where and what direction do you want to go to? You don't have to be on course 100% of the time, but you have to know what direction you're moving in. And that's how I help my young people and my adults, as you know, um, work in their own businesses. Where are you? Where do you want to go? And when do you want to get there? And what's the quickest, straightest, smartest way for you to do that? So now you also coach kids. But while coaching kids, you're coaching their parents as well. 
um, how much, how much, do, uh, I, I, I'm trying to frame the question. Kids have amazing creative ability. Sometimes their parents recognize that ability. Sometimes they don't. How do, if you're working with kids and also parents together, how do the kids have the freedom to have the creative license that they can have without being overpowered by their parents? The first thing, again, going back to who are you? What do you want? Where do you want to end up? And I make sure that where what we're working towards is the kid's goal, not mom and dad's goal. Mom and dad can have their own goals and I'll help them with their goals. But, um, you know, throughout my career, both in education and athletics, I see a lot of kids being pushed to be a number one athlete be a number one musician, be a number one academic in an area where the kids have no interest. And by the time the kids get to a certain age, they hate that sport. They hate that music, um, that instrument. They hate school. Um, so I make sure that the goal is the child's goal first. And then I'm not teaching I'm not taking the role of the parent. I am here to help and assist the parent to up-level their whole family. And it, it all starts with mindset. I have a lot of parents who they say, you know, I work a nine to five. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I work in a factory or whatever I do. I want my kid to have the best. Well, the best starts with the best mindset. How is their mind set? for where they are and where they want to go. A lot of the kids that I've worked with, you know, they, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a social media creator, content creator. Okay. On what subject? Oh, I didn't think of that. They see the big picture. They see the glory and the glitz and the glamour and the fame, but they don't realize the effort that it takes to get there. And so I work with the parents and I always tell my parents, it takes a village. I'm just a part of the village, but you're the parent. I'm not going to be the aunt that comes in and for the good weekend or the um, single parent that has the, the other parent come in and they spoil the kids and then disappear and they have to be the disciplinarian. I come in and I say, how can we uplevel your children? How can we uplevel your family? Because when I have my, my kids that I interview and that I work with, they're out there writing books. They're out there starting businesses. The parents may know what that is. And if parents are entrepreneurs, then the parents aren't listened to by the kids because it's their parent. So it takes a village. It's like, oh, mom's told me to do that. But as soon as Barb says the exact same words, Oh, mom, did you know that Barb said this? And the parents like smacking themselves upside the head. Like I've been telling you that for 14 years, but that's, that's the, I understand that. And so when the parent realizes I'm on their side, I'm up leveling and supporting them. And when we're able to do something like that together, everyone wins. 
You know, the tide, when the tide comes into a marina, it doesn't just up-level one boat. When the tide comes in and it's a good positive, all the boats up-level. So when Barb comes into your home, to your school class, I up-level everyone. And that's what the Kid Factor is all about. Wow. And your program is extensive because you have to understand finance. You have to understand basic business principles as well. So it's an an enormous education that's extracurricular. Absolutely. So it brings everything into the family. Well, when I was in the classroom teaching, I was um, at one point I was a math teacher, not by not by academics, but by my principal saying, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is you have a job. The bad news is all I have left is the math position. And I'm like, oh, but he knew me from a previous uh, school and he knew how creative I was. We were starting a brand new school and I asked him, I said, so what curriculum do I use? And because it was a brand new school and it was all special education, it wasn't public and it wasn't private, but it was an all special education facility. And we were going to be working with the kids that the community schools, the public schools and the private schools could not fully service these students. And they're just like they threw their hands up and said, we can't help these kids here. They're yours. And those are the kids that I started with. So when I received that position as a math teacher, I said, I'll take it. And I asked him, what's the curriculum? And he goes, well, you're creative enough. You can create your own or you can go buy one. And I had gone from a budget, an annual budget of $25, a $20 bill and a $5 bill to an annual budget of over $10,000. I thought as a classroom teacher, I died and gone to heaven with that kind of budget. But I sat back and I was offered the job in the spring and I got, I took, um, we opened the school in August. So I went home that summer and I looked where you and I as adults, where do we use math in our everyday life? Some of my students were 14, 15 years old in middle school. By the time they hit 16, they were dropping out. And my attitude was if they are going to drop out and I'm the last math teacher they ever have, what is my stamp of approval that says I am proud to say I was their math teacher? And so I went home and I wrote a financial education curriculum and I used the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics, the NCTM standards, and I embedded that into my curriculum. And I wrote my curriculum, not in the school, but I wrote it at home. And I wrote it on a piece of software that the school that I was teaching at did not own. So I could eventually prove if it ever was questioned, this was my intellectual property. This is what I did. And so I implemented that system in my classroom. My students paid rent on their desks. They earned a biweekly paycheck. They had a matching savings program. They had, I had the best school store, better, sometimes better than 7-Eleven because I taught my students and I remember some of the teachers coming in or some of the parents coming in to my classroom and to my principal and saying, why is my kid doing English in math class? 
And my principal always had my back and he says, you are more than welcome to go into Miss B's class and sit in on the class. And they did. And often they're like, where were you when I was growing up? Why didn't I learn this in school? But when I, what I was having my students do, think about it. All of us are consumers. And if you get a product that is not, does not stand up to the quality you think it's worth, what do you have to do? Today, we write an email. Back then, we wrote a letter. Both of them are the same. We have to write a customer complaint or do some type of customer communication with the business if we want our money back, if we want the product replaced, or if we're not satisfied, or we had poor customer service. Well, that's what my students were doing by keeping a journal where they're writing letters in math class. They were learning to write, this is a good product, this is a bad product. I love this product. Well, in doing that, my students often would write to a company and tell them about our economic system in our own classroom. And eventually it became an entire school behavioral program. But my students would write to, I remember a really huge international company. They wrote a letter to, and that company literally sent us cases of products. Well, instead of two, and my, my principal always knew it was so funny. V, you've got another one. Here's another. And it, some of these boxes were bigger than my kids. And they were loaded with products. Well, instead of giving it to the kid that wrote the letter, we had agreed as a full classroom that all those products were going to go into our school store. And every Friday, the kids got to go to the school store. And they didn't need cash, but they were buying Polaroid cameras. They were buying Polaroid film. They were getting um, Game Boys. They were getting Game Boy games and all kinds of things like this. Didn't cost me anything. Didn't cost our school anything. Didn't cost the parents anything. All it took was a simple letter of communication. My students' eyes were like, boom, and their brains blew up. All it takes is a really well-crafted letter. And this is one of the things that one of the parents complained. Why is my kid having to write a letter in math class? Well, this is why. So it was those types of things that I implemented in the classroom that just exploded for my students, but also their parents. Some of my kids, they were one of the things in the national standards is you have to be able to read a graph or a chart. Okay. Back in the day, this is before. Not quite before the internet. The internet was new, but taxes, the 1040 easy form, my kids were getting a biweekly paycheck. In January, their homework was to go to the local library or the post office and get a 1040 easy form and get the 1040 easy booklet. They brought it to class. That was a part of their homework in January. They had to figure out their own taxes. Well, a few of my students did it well enough that their parents or grandparents or somebody in the project community they lived in, these middle school special ed students were working on these adults' taxes for them. But they were learning to read graphs and charts, which was something that was mandatory. But for you and I as adults, where do we use math? In and around our money, in and around work, in and around everything that we do as adults. If only I could go back. <laughs> if only. 
You know, it's one of the questions when I interview somebody for the Kid Factor podcast, it's one of the questions I ask. Everything you know today as an adult, what would you go back today and teach your eight-year-old self or tell your eight-year-old self to do differently so that your life would be and look different today? And absolutely. And so I understand why my parents of the students I was working with, why they're always saying, where were you when I was a kid? doesn't matter where I was. I'm here today. Are you going to take advantage of it? True. So you have two programs that we're going to speak about. One is your new podcast, The Kid Factor. But before we go into that, you also have a program called Digital Vending. Tell our audience about digital vending because I was totally fascinated with your program. And But it's not about me. So let's talk about what you do for kids, and then we'll talk about what you do for adults. Absolutely. So before the 2020 world change, I was working with children and young people, and I I, I live by three principles. Principle, and I've always, I teach by those principles and I live by them. Number one is I will never ask somebody to do something I'm not willing to either try or do myself first. Principle number two, I'm never going to do anything unless it's fun. And principle number three, if we have to do it, even like paying taxes, I'm going to find a way to make it fun. So those are the three principles. So with prior to the pandemic and the shutdowns, I was teaching young people to have their own vending machine businesses. I was teaching them how that vending machine business could lead to Passive residual income, they were making money while they were sleeping, while they were at school, while they were at soccer, swim team, basketball, band camp, hanging out, just playing video games with their friends. But they're also still making money. They might work four hours a week, and, or I'm sorry, four hours a month, filling and cleaning those machines, but they could be making $1,000 passively every month or $1,000 or more which is four hours of work. Well, fast forward 2020, things shut down. People don't want to put a quarter into a small vending machine that they get a handful of candy, Mike and Ike, Skittles, M&Ms, peanut M&Ms, Boston baked beans. They don't want to get a handful of candy. So I had to change and pivot because everything that I was teaching my young entrepreneurs about business, about life, about customer service was an and especially real estate, all stemmed from that vending machine experience. Fast forward, I created the digital vending program because back then the vending industry, it was all cash. It was something kids related to. You wouldn't go into a grocery store without hearing the kids say, mom, can I have a quarter today? It's mom, can I have dollar or five dollars? to put in a claw machine or some kind of vending machine. And so the kids, it's kid friendly, it's cash, it's immediate gratification. And it teaches so many skills that a standard classroom can't teach. Well, our vending machine business is pretty much shut down. And so I had to make a pivot because it was kid friendly, it was family friendly, it was cash, but it wasn't pandemic proof. Who would have thought I needed to think of something that was pandemic proof that we hadn't dealt with for almost 100 years? 
And so I created the digital vending program. And in that program, I work with my youth to create a digital product that they then can market and sell online. And one of the products is for the young people, I find out something that they love, something that they enjoy to do. And I help them write and create that digital product. Typically, it is a book, but it's actually a print book that I then teach them as a young person. And today's, on today's episode of our podcast, um, we launched an episode where a 50-year-old has his own book. And he has partnered with um, Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Now, Jeff Bezos and Amazon is his business partner because Jeff Bezos and Amazon is selling his book for him. And but his book is in an in an area that he loves and he enjoys. And so I pull that information out with them. I help them create their own book. I do this both for kids and, as you know, for adults, parents and the whole family, because I don't give them a book. I don't ask them to put a single chapter in an on, on, um, anthology that I'm putting together. I teach them to make their own book market their own book. And once they're done, if they don't ever work with me again, and I haven't had any of my clients not continue working with me because they realize the levels where they started, I'm up leveling them to their big, um, their big goals. What do they really want? And so I teach them to do the first book, but they then have the power. If they wanted to do a book every single week, and they understand the formula and everything that goes into doing that, in one year, they could have 50 books, 52 books. That's 52 different small digital vending products. That's amazing. Um, I was absolutely, when I learned of your program, I was fascinated. And so I called you and said, I want help. Uh, could you coach me? And you said, yes. And we spent the next several weeks figuring out what direction I wanted to go with. Right. Because my first, I knew where I wanted to be, but I truly did not understand how to get there. And so with your help, and you said before, you meet people where they're at. So it took me a while to get there, but I finally jumped on board and said, okay, fine. Yes, this is what I want. And this is my, this is my goal. And this is my roadmap for how I'm going to get there because you showed me how to walk, truly um, uh, drive through the map to get to my goal. And so it was amazing. And it, it, it certainly, it's been, it's given me an opportunity to be creative in a, in an area that I never thought I would be. And so just as for kids, you also will take adults um, into your programs. And I am certainly grateful for that. So we've talked about digital vending, which I'm absolutely a fan. Um, then you decided that you were going to host your own podcast, and the name of the podcast is The Kid Factor. Tell us about The Kid Factor, how you decided to 
become a, a podcast host. How did you get into that area as well? Well, I know when I left classroom teaching, the biggest reason I cl- left classroom teaching was not because of the students. It was more the politics. And the other, the more, the bigger factor was I knew that I have so much to give. But being in a classroom in a school, maximum, I might teach 125 kids in a year. I learned by doing workshops and seminars for teachers. I could do a workshop of 500 teachers and each of them being able to touch the lives of 125 students. You just in a day or a weekend boot camp, I just exponentially up the number of lives I can change. And during the shutdown, I was teaching, and I still do, I teach online. And I was in 65 different countries just in the year 2020 alone. I could not have, and I and I didn't leave my studio here. I could not do that and teach that many children and families and make such an impact if I stayed in just one single classroom. So I knew that, and I already, I also had another podcast that kind of has gone on the back burner until the end of this year. And then I will relaunch that podcast again. But I knew that a podcast was going to give me the opportunity to reach out and teach the kids and the families. Imagine little old me, not saying that I'm old, but little old me, um, teaching capitalism to children in China. I've done that. And I've been able, like I said, now I'm over 67 different countries. I'm able to teach these children and they're not in my town. They're not in my school district. They're not in, they are children of the world. And with a podcast, I'm able to reach them. The other amazing thing is I'm able to do the interviews with some of the most amazing individuals that service and provide services to the community that I try to reach, to families and kids and people who don't know, I could start my own business. I could be a millionaire by the time I'm 18 and I'm only six years old today or eight years old today. Absolutely. And here's the roadmap on how to do this. I've done it. I've been able to show and share with people how to do it. And if I can teach you that mindset, get away from those negative naysayers. And I teach you the difference. In one of my first classes, I always teach is the difference between assets and liabilities. One of my prized students, he was eight years old. And his dad said, you've got to take, he got money for Christmas. He got money for birthday. And he wanted to buy a dirt bike so badly. He was being raised by a single dad, had a younger sister. And at the same time, his dad said, you can spend your money on anything you want. Under one condition, I want you to go through Miss Barb's class first. He went through my class, what the wealthy teach their children. And now you can too. And in that class, he learned the difference between assets and liabilities. He learned the difference between wants and needs. We got done with that class 
And he said, his dad was like, okay, you ready to go get your dirt bike? No, I want to do this with Miss Barb. I want an asset. And so we worked on it. And he was a student that purchased his first vending machine. He had a small little vending machine. And by the time he was nine years old, he had 10 vending machines. Each of his vending machines out in the community, he worked about two, two times a month for about four hours each Saturday, every other Saturday, taking care of five machines this week and the five machines that week. And when he was done, he was making more than $1,000 passive income as a nine-year-old. Wow. That continued until he was 12. At the age of 12, he was like, Miss Barb, I... I don't want to get any more machines, but I want to increase my um, net worth. And here's the key. He's eight, nine years old. He's talking about net worth. He's talking about assets and liabilities. He's talking P&L. He's talking all these business terms. Why? Because I don't sugarcoat it. I teach them the vocabulary. And it's one of the things that I am adamant about. You have to know the vocabulary. If I was go to go to a foreign country and I'm hungry. And I know I can eat chicken, but I'm not sure what else is on their menu. I'm going to learn how to ask for chicken in that language. If they're not speaking English there, I'm going to learn to ask for what I want. I'm going to ask for my meal in that language. Same is true. How many adults don't know what their bankers are talking about, what their financial advisors are talking about, what their, um, what is it, their retirement specialists are talking about? My students know that all that vocabulary from the get-go. I don't throw it all on them all at once. But this young man, Alan, he learned assets and liabilities. He started his own vending business. And then at age 12, he was like, I want a bigger asset. Okay, I'm working with you and your dad. Let's think about this. So I worked with them, taught them about forfeited land um, in the county. So I sent them to go look at county forfeited land auctions in their community. And they went, they found out, and it, typically in their, in their state or their city, it happened once a year. And so they got everything they needed. They did their homework. They did their due diligence. And they decided on three different properties they wanted. They had a A property, B property, and C property. They knew what the values of them were. But my young man, he utilized what the real aspect of the kid factor. And that was the fact that he's a kid. And he went into this live auction and this was pre COVID. And he went into his live auction and he went, as I instructed him in a suit and tie with his business cards at, because he's had his business since he was eight years old. So it's four years old with his business cards. And he said, hi, my name is Alan. This is my business, business business card. And I am looking to purchase this property. And he gave him the number one property he wanted to purchase. So the kid factor concept kicked in. When that property went up for bid, how many adults do you think bid against him? Zero. Nobody was going to bid against this kid because they wanted this kid to succeed in an area that they were now wishing. Holy cow, why didn't I learn that when I was 12 or 13 years old? Or even 16, 17 or 18 years old. That's the kid factor. Alan got this property. And at the time, it was a three bedroom, 
two bath, unfinished basement, backyard, fenced, semi-fenced in backyard. And he got it for the minimum bid. All he had to do is place the minimum bid. And because no other adult at that auction bid against him, it was his. That's amazing. That's really amazing. And what a great way to start. Um, and that's one of the beautiful things that you do because you actually offer mentoring. And it's a way for adults and their kids to truly step up and learn. And I'm sure a lot of the, it, there are kids who have aspirations, but there are also adults who may not understand how to move forward, especially in these times where everything moves so fast. And so uh, you don't know what you don't know. And right. I'm sure there are a lot of parents out there who say, listen, my child needs, uh, my child wants to move ahead, but I don't really understand the process and you can help them with that. Um, and that was true uh, for me and my grandfather. I was interested in purchasing property and my grandfather said, I would love to help you, but he was in his 90s. And he said, so much has changed. I can't help you at this point. Mm -hmm. So your mentorship is amazing. And the Kid Factor podcast is so great because you're able to meet so many people and spread the word that there are avenues out there where kids can truly create their own businesses. They can create their own future, you know? Yeah. And, and, and through the kid factor, they can ignite their future today. A family can decide to ignite their future. And if they were ready to understand it today, what would life look like in a year from now? The young man um, that has the book out today in our podcast episode that launched today, he's 15 years old. He's into real estate at age 15 because his family's into that area and he has done some of it, but mom's too busy. Dad's too busy to do all of the stuff that help him accelerate. Well, that's where Barb comes in. That's where the kid factor comes in. And I meet with them. I can meet with them on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, a couple of times a week. We structure the program to fit your needs. But at the same time, I'm teaching personal development. Every one of my students, I'm going to make you read. But you don't have to sit down and read the book word by word. I'm going to teach you the techniques and the skills that the wealthy do. They don't sit down and often read all of the books all the time, every single word, page by page. They might get the abridged notes. Or they might listen to it while they're driving or flying from here to there. They'll listen to it. In, on an audio book. And so that's what I do with my kids and with my adults. I know I, I made you read. And oh, yeah. there's a book, there's a book that changed your life. And I think it's changing your perspective on some of the work that you are bringing to the, your community and looking at it and saying, look, I don't have to have all the right answers right now. I just have to know where to go find them. Well, it's, it's life-changing because you're teaching skills. Um, I know that my, I've increased not only my skill sets, 
but also my self-worth and self-esteem because sometimes we get so entrenched in what we're doing, we lose sight of self. And the kids that you're mentoring, they're, they're, they're now upping their self-worth and their self-esteem, but they also have the tools that they can use going forward. So it's brilliant, it's a win-win, and it's priceless. It's absolutely priceless because, as you've said, if a young person has a book and they're the author, how amazing is that as an adult? Barrett's, like I said, Barrett, Barrett's um, book is up on Amazon today. He's 15 years old. What's the value of that book? Well, 10 years from now, Every single day, every single month, Amazon is sharing that book with the world. What's the value that he can gain from that one book in 10 years? But at the same time, I've taught him the skills to take his next subject, his next, you know, it can be a hobby that he absolutely loves. He can generate and create a book in that area. And in doing so, he has another digital vending product. So now he has two streams of income and then a third and a fourth. Is there any limit to the number of assets he can now generate? No. But if somebody says, I want Barb, would you contribute a chapter in my anthology? I pay them X amount of dollars. They put the book out there. It might be manipulating the algorithms to create a best-selling book. Great. But then what? They don't have another book and they don't know how that book went together. All they know is how they wrote their chapter and put that chapter in the book. Yes, they can have copies of the book, but 10 years from now, is that book and that all of those chapters still valuable? No. But if you have your own book from one single book, it's, and one of the things that I teach is your first book is typically a little better more expensive business card. But if you do it right, it doesn't have to be expensive for you to do it. But once you learn it, that's a good business card. But what can you do with a book? Oh my gosh, the, it's, you can speak on it. You can create a workshop around it. You can create it as something to get you speaking gigs. You can um, teach it as a class. You can break each chapter down and do each chapter as a class. One book can add up to over 27 different streams of income. But until you do the first one or the first digital product, what do you have? Same thing as the next guy, nothing. Yeah. But think about it. I've got an eight-year-old. He's getting ready to get his um, next book published as well. He's got four books in succession as eight years old. He's got them all lined up. Miss Barb, I want to no. From him, he's got the big dreams, but at the same time, I need to teach him, focus. Let's get this one done first. Because once the first one's done, then you can say, hey, I'm an author. No, you're not. You're only eight. Well, he's already, and, and he's, he's spoken on my podcast. He's already spoken to his class, and his class has heard him on an internationally number one ranked kids podcast around the world. 
Now he's a celebrity in his own classroom. But one of the things that I don't allow my young people to do is I don't allow their heads to get so big. I don't demoralize them or belittle them, but I keep them humble and teach them humility. But I also teach them to give back to the community because if it weren't for the community buying their books, they wouldn't have the business or the prices, the podcast um, episodes or the products that they have. And with when I spoke earlier about my lawn care and um, snow removal business, when I was in fourth grade to ninth grade that I ran, when I had that business, um, I would send, I, I found out and I try to do this today, but my network is getting bigger, but I try to find out when's your birthday? What are your anniversaries? Um, what holidays do you celebrate? I am working towards and doing everything that I can to make sure those things are acknowledged from me to you. And I sometimes, yes, I'll send a greeting card. Most often it's going to be a handwritten something. It might be a book. It might be an article. It might be, oh my gosh, I just learned this and I just saw this. And I, and I thought about you, I might stick a stamp on it and send it in the mail to you. But I make sure that I'm always, always giving back a portion of the majority of my products. Um, a portion of my products and sales goes to helping people with dementia, Alzheimer's and traumatic brain injury. I have, um, that has a special place in my heart and in my life. And because of that, one of the things that I donate to and I give back to, and I try to up-level in that area, that's where I give back. But I also teach my young people to be philanthropic at a young age, because when they do that, they realize, you know, yes, somebody bought five of my books and I'm not going to be greedy and spend it all on me. I'm going to reinvest it in the community or support the community that's supporting me and my business. Otherwise, you don't have a business. So true. So now that we've said all that, and I'm anxious to know as well, it will be in the show notes. Where can people find you? Because that is key. I, absolutely. They can find me at the kit on Apple iTunes. They can find me at the kid factor. They can find me at my website, the kid factor. And like I said, dot fun. F-U-N, because I don't do anything unless it's fun. So my website is thekidfactor.fun. Um, they can find me on Facebook at the Kid Factor page or our private fam the Kid Factor family private Facebook group. They can ask to join, say they heard me on Ann's podcast. Um, they can find me on Instagram and Soon, I do have a channel, but we're just starting to upload things on it at the Kid Factor on YouTube. So, and they can find me as Barb V on LinkedIn. So, thank you very much. I'm going to check all of that out as well, although I already have checked out most of it. But you've done your <laughs> I have. I've done my due diligence. But I will looking. I'll be looking for you in all of the new places as well. Excellent. So all that information will be in the show notes so everyone listening can find you. And this has been absolutely a thrill. I did learn even more 
So that was also good. And I've loved working with you. I have to say you're an amazing coach. Thank you so much, Anne. And please, if anybody is inspired from you or anything like that, if you reach out to me and you're interested in working with me, please do let me know that you are coming from a recommendation from Anne. Because like I said, I always want to work to give back. And if there's anything else that I can do to give back to what you're doing and sharing the amazing interviews that you bring to the community and the adults and lives that you're touching, if I can be a part of that, that's truly and sincerely one of the things that I live for and why I get up every morning, early in the morning. Thank you so very much. Thanks, Anne. It's been my pleasure to be here and share my, my knowledge and message with your community. Thanks for joining us. Please follow us, submit a rating and review, and share us with your friends. This helps our message reach more listeners. For more information about my products, visit justwantedtoask.com. Thank you.